We want to make it easy for nurses. How come we don't have a centralized place where nurses are getting notifications that their certifications are up, that their licensure is up, where they can just upload every CE they take, whether it's an RNA gate one or not. They have a dashboard, they have a file there, everything's there, and you can export it to whoever needs to see that you've completed your education. Why don't we have that? What's a nurse renegade and who qualifies to be one anyway? And are nurse renegades bound to be total box blower uppers? Let's get the answers to these and other pressing questions with Entre Boyd and Karen DeMarco of the Our Renegade podcast right here on episode 374 of the Nurse Keith Show. Hey there, this is Nurse Keith. This podcast is about you, your personal professional development, your career, and the healthcare system writ large. And I'm here to share education ideas, very frequent diatribes to which you are already accustomed, and informative interviews with some of the most inspiring people I can find out there. I love having you along for the ride, and I thank you from the bottom of my nurse podcaster's heart for being part of the growing Nurse Keith Nation. And if you find value in the show, please consider becoming a patron over at patreon.com forward slash nurse Keith. Creating hundreds of episodes incurs a bunch of costs and just a couple dollars a month from you could really help support the show. So head over to patreon.com forward slash nurse Keith to check it out. The show notes will be at nursekeith.com under the podcast drop-down menu. So please head over there as well. And we are here with Entre Boyd and Karen DeMarco of the infamous and inimitable Our Renegade podcast. And Entre and Karen, there's so much to talk about. And it's always wonderful to speak with other nurse podcasters. And first, I want to ask you, Entre, what's an Our Renegade anyway? Well, you kind of um, alluded to it in your introduction. Yes, because oh. a box blower upper, a rebel, uh, uh, innovator, a creative, a disruptor, somebody who doesn't want to do things the way we've, quote, always done them. Um, somebody who's got passion and is fiery and um, funny. That's hmm. my definition. <laughs> That's a good one. Okay. And Karen, are you... Um... Are you on board with that definition? Uh, yes, I would add. Like that's sort of she said the the official tagline is um, blowing up the boxes that the rest of the world is still trying to think outside of. Right. But it, with that, I would say an renegade has the courage to be disliked. Has the courage to be disliked. Yes. Wow. Okay. So what does that mean, Karen? Like what what does it mean to to take risks like that? Um, your moral compass, your, uh, we only put up with what we think we deserve Mm -hmm. and in nursing, especially when you can find the answer to that question, not fixing and changing the people and the things and the environments around you Uh because of poor me, but it's like, what is it inside of you that is allowing yourself to be treated that way? Not, not just like you know, from a bad treatment, like environmental, like, um, you know, nursing administ, like the administration or the hospital or whatever, but it's, it's, uh, in general in your life. And when only when people can answer the question, that question, why am I, why am I allowing myself to be treated this way? Usually the answer is because you have not found the courage to be disliked. Hmm. So 
our Renegade is, you know, we um, it's infused in, yes, it's the name of a podcast, but it's kind of infused into everything we do. Yeah. You know, it's leading with our moral compass and um, integrity first. I hear that. Yeah. And, and Antra, what is it, everything that you all do? Like what, what is it all about when you get down to it? Like, what are you all trying to, to get across and, and what do you want people to experience when they interact with you and with you and Karen? Well, ooh, we could go in a lot of different directions. With start this. laughing. I know. Yeah, that's a good start place laughing. to start. So yeah. uh, it started with an idea and really it was Karen's idea because, you know, we were, you know, we're, we're autodidacts. We love information. We love science. We're geeks. We love yeah. to learn. And, you know, we talk a lot about this in nursing, this lifelong learning and, and, she she is especially always got the ear pods in and uh, she got the idea like I'm listening to all these podcasts. Why am I not getting continuing education for this? Like Breathe by James Nestor is such a good example because it's a fascinating look at, you know, his own journey through respiratory and sinus issues. And I learned so much from that, just that one podcast and that book. So it, you know, that's how the idea was born. It was let's, you know, do podcasts, audio, because nurses are busy. They, you know, are good multitaskers. Why can't they be listening to podcasts in the car and getting continuing education for it instead of the old outdated, poke your eyes out, wait to the last minute because CEs are so boring or the they're not easy to access or the delivery method is, you know, CDs. I mean, Karen mm-hmm. got CDs just recently. CDs, no. we just had it. Yeah. Four, six-hour lectures. Wait, I don't CD. have anything I could put a CD in. Right that's, now. I mean, I could put exactly. it in my toaster, but that's like, yeah. that's as far as I could go right now. Wait, Flatter even, some butter on that. I, mean, yeah. I don't have a toaster, but <laughs> I don't have anything I could put a CD in, honestly. Right? So that's where it came from. That idea was let's, you know, do something different and nursing education needs an overhaul. So it was our place to start. And then we've got big, huge ideas and lots of stuff going on, but that's how our Renegade started was with that idea. Mm -hmm. And so Karen, you're going to be mailing out CDs to all your listeners, (laughs) right? I mean, I have to say the content I did. I didn't know that the delivery mechanism was going to be four six-hour lectures on wow. CD, where I had to go get an external CD player to listen to them. Hmm. Um, but the content was amazeballs. Like you know, it's like psychopharmacology of cardio. I mean, it's like a lot of um, psychoneuroimmunology. You know hmm. how the the mind plays with the endocrine system, plays with the immune system. You know how they all work together. Um, these are a few of my favorite things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, you could sing that if you want. <laughs> but the content was great. The delivery mechanism was not. And yeah. the cost was not. But it's never all three things. It's never great content, great delivery mechanism, and great cost. It's, you know, something's always lacking. Yeah. So, but the thing that got me was the thing that really, how, what rated is this show? <laughs> how much do I have to filter my, my speech here? Um, I'm trying to rain in my passion. Okay. Um, don't, don't, you don't have to. <laughs> my parents described me like this. My mom said that I had four sons and Karen was the only one who grew boobs. <laughs> my mom said, my dad said, Karen is unprogrammable. Mm-hmm. And where that comes out is, and where I get myself into the most success and the most trouble is mm-hmm. 
I get so mad when I am doing something, I am putting in the hours. I am spending 20 hours a week at least with podcasts and audiobooks and things to educate myself. And you mean that some state board says that I can't remain a nurse unless I go and pick through the pile of crap over here? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. So it was this we're for those who are curious, for those who are autodidacts, for those who are already doing the work to keep themselves educated and keep themselves updated. They deserve credit for what they're already doing. Mm-hmm. So that's where we're starting. I don't know if that answered your question. I just went on a tirade. It answered but- some question. Yeah. Even if it <laughs> might have answered one I didn't ask it, but that's fine. Yeah. You're prescient. It's okay. So, <laughs> and the show is really fun. I heard the one where you interviewed, was it your uncle, Karen, or? No, it's my uncle. uncle. Did you Monster's listen uncle? to that? Yeah. And Maybe. you've had some really, really great people on the show and it's really fun and they're snort laughing and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, you all are as advertised. Um, <laughs> oh, that's good to know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so part of it is to provide fun, entertaining, informative um, experiences for nurses who can listen while they're changing diapers and, and running and going grocery shopping and then get CEs, right? Like that's part of it. Yeah. But then get this. What? How the other thing that's so frustrating about the whole CE process is I don't know about you, Keith, but Mm -hmm. I still have a file in Mm -hmm. my desk with CEs And, you know, luckily I've never been audited, but where do you keep them all? Why are we still putting them in a, in a file folder? Or if you can upload them to certain, like if you have a certification, um, I had the, I had an operating room certification. They do have a place you can upload your CEs there, but not all CEs. It just depends on the ones that they, that they actually approve. So there's no centralized place and it's not easy. So you got some CEs here, some in your drawer, some like, it's just mm-hmm. a cluster. Some on your hard drive, right? Some on your hard everywhere. drive. Yeah. We want to make it easy for nurses. Like that was, that this kind of what was born out of what Karen was just talking about. How come we don't have a centralized place where nurses are getting notifications that their certifications are up, that their licensure is up, where they can just upload every CE they take, whether it's an RN gate one or not, they have a dashboard, they have a file there, everything's there, and you can export it to whoever needs to see that you've completed your education. Why don't we have that? It's right. So you all need to be president, obviously. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah. <laughs> or or president. Queens of of the nursing profession. Um <laughs> I'll take that. So you all are you all are both nurses. So Antra, you mentioned OR, right? Mm-hmm. Is that, yep. was that like your happy place or not? So happy I spent place? 20 years in the operating room. 20 years. Yeah. 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 And Karen, what about you? Um, ICU, flight, trauma, you know, the high adrenaline stuff. I was just going to say like the really low adrenaline stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I, I couldn't do like, uh, you know, your brain, my brain just worked. I could do a lot and focus on a lot of things for mm-hmm. in, in this little box right mm-hmm. here. But if I had to spread myself, I, people would die. Yeah. <laughs> you had to be really focused. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I have like a attention abundance disorder. Oh, I see. Attention yeah. That's what my like mom that. called it. That's really nice. <laughs> attention abundance disorder. So are, and Karen, are you actually an apocalypse prepper? Um, 
No, I told you it's all the gear. No idea. Oh, okay. <laughs> like I, I am, I don't know about apocalypse, you know, I live in Southern California, so we've had to evacuate for fires before. And mm. I just really got like, I've always listened to that kind of stuff, like found it fascinating and interesting and adrenaline. Like, oh my gosh, you know, you listen to those people long enough, you kind of get the feeling like it could happen tomorrow. That's true. That's <laughs> true. Know? It and just keeps life exciting. Right. That <laughs> but, might have sounded like a non sequitur to the listeners, but we were talking about apocalypse apocalypse prepping before we hit record. So I mean, stuff has happened. Stuff has mm -hmm. happened recently in my life that is like, oh my gosh, I think that's a good idea. Yeah. So yes, I, I do have, I do have the essentials. You have a lot of Kansas suit. I see. No, okay. no, 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 no. no. So you, have to, you have to carry those with you. No, you have your CEUs. That's what you're <laughs> yeah, my CEs uh -huh, on a stick. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> just in just in case, right? Yeah, and some you're gonna be ready. So, so how did you all get to where you are? Like, did you all meet and be like, "Yeah, we want to provide CEUs for nurses," or was there was there some like crystallizing moment that over coffee or something? Like, what happened? Let me just tell you the very first time I met Karen, we were, she was teaching at a patient advocacy course. Cause she was already, she'd been through the course. She was already a patient advocate. She was adjunct faculty at the course. I went through it and I was really frustrated when I got to this course because I had a family member who was really struggling with Parkinson's disease. And my dad was like, just ask any of the professors there or teachers, ask them what they would do. Cause I hadn't even started my business yet. And I was an OR nurse. So, um, I, I, uh, I, Karen seemed like a nice person and I liked the way she taught. So I went up to her and I asked her, what would you do? And she looked at me and she's like, what would you do? And I was like, what do you mean? It's like, well, what would you do? And I was so pissed because I was asking the expert mm -hmm. and she wouldn't give me the answer. She's like, well, she went with it. the Socratic method. Oh, I was so mad. I was like, yeah. and so she said, come back in a couple of days. Cause it was a week long uh, class. And so I stewed about it for like three days. Finally, I was like, I just want the answer. So I'll come up with a whole list and send it to her. And then she can tell her, I'm like, tell you what, send me an email of what you think you would do, what you mm -hmm. think you would do. Mm -hmm. And then we'll talk about it. I did it. She came back and she's like, there's a couple of things I could add, but mostly you, you know what to do. And for me, it was this, like, it was the first time I'd ever really met her, but oh my gosh, like all along in my whole entire life, I knew what to do. It was a huge, like penny drop. It was, uh, it changed my life forever. It was just a massive shift in the way I saw the world and the way I saw myself. And so I did some coaching with Karen for a couple of years and then, um, got to be, um, more, more myself. And I think at that point we just became really good friends and, mm -hmm. and knew we wanted to do something together. And so that's how she got the idea and we just went with it. Cool. And, yeah. and how do you all feel about this, the world of entrepreneurship for nurses? Like, do you feel like the doors are wide open and we can do whatever we want? Do you feel like there are strictures and, and, boxes there too that need to be blown up like where where does that land with you karen no doors are wide open i mean the world is your oyster nursing gives you so many avenues i mean 
to become an entrepreneur. You don't even have to get the extra, you know, like, oh, I think legal, I'll do a legal degree and a nurse. You don't have to do, there's so many things that you can do. And like we've found out, like we, I started a private patient advocacy business in 2011 hmm. and just worked at it. You know, I had a waiting list in six months, but when I say that, it's not like people were like lining up out the doors because it was like that balance between, okay, when do it like going more and more and more part-time while I got busier and busier, busier now. So I had three kids, mm -hmm. but that opened the avenue to, okay, I have to leave my kid's sixth birthday party because one of my clients was in the emergency room. Okay. I can't do this anymore. But at the same time, I helped out a guy, uh, one of my clients owned a company and because we know all about functional integrative medicine and whatever, he was getting off of his medications. He mm. was doing, he's like, why doesn't everybody know about this? I want to, I want this for my staff. I want this for my community. So he hired me to do a corporate wellness program. Mm. And then he had friends. And then I kind of just went into corporate wellness and uh, that evolved into, I collect sea glass and coaching certifications. So like, then I just started getting into one-to-one -one coaching. And now I, you know, before Andre and I started our Renegade, I was teaching because of the magic of the interwebs groups internationally with whatever topic I was down a rabbit, rabbit hole, mm. you know? So you just, um, you can't be afraid to fail mm -hmm. because a couple of things it's going to, you know, it's like pulling that cord on a lawnmower that hasn't been started in a while. Yeah. I mean, something might just start up. Um, True. But it's really nice to be a nurse and start a business because you can work anywhere and you can work as much or as little as you want. So you, a lot of people don't have that option, that safety net. No, yeah. The no. safety net is huge because you can like my business partner, when we started our advocacy business here in Oregon, she worked, she was working full time. Then we started to get clients. She went down to per diem and it was like, well, if once I just leave the hospital system completely and, you know, we'll see what happens with our business, but if it doesn't work, I can always go back mm -hmm. to being an OR nurse. Like there, that safety net is huge. And so there's really no reason not to try if you're inclined to, because right. nurses have that ability to just work whenever they want, right? With wherever the they want. With the caveat that the, the stupid caveat that makes me want to pull my hair out is when people go off and do different things and then they want to come back to the clinical space and some ridiculously ignorant hiring manager will say something like, so there's this gap in your resume. You, know, you, haven't, <laughs> you haven't worked clinically for 18 months. And I'm like, <laughs> I was talking to a client the other day who'd had a few months where she'd been doing other things. And we were talking about this notion of, you know, the gap that this, like this mystical gap in the resume that becomes this, this huge stone tied around your neck. It's like, what were you doing between March and June of 2017 anyway? You know, and it's like, well, none of your business, yeah. you know, I was gardening or I was, <laughs> right. I was, I went to Tibet for three months or my right. grandmother was dying, but what, what business is it of yours? What I was doing between March and June of 2017. And this is where people get stuck and they get afraid because they're afraid mm -hmm. that, Oh, if I leave the clinical space, I'm not going to be able to go back. And this is where we need to have the conversation about how you need to do what it is you want to do. And then you figure out a way to get around those ignorant people who stand in your way 
don't you think? Glad you said that. <laughs> that What's just that? fires me up. I know. I'm so glad you said it. But I mean, even if, or you, you think about it, like I went right into intensive care out of college. Mm-hmm. I went to a four year, got a bachelor's. And the first, I remember the night before my uh, orientation started, I went out with these two Canadian nurses who were also hired recently for a beer. And I'm like, listening to those guys talk, I was like, oh, I was so intimidated. I'm like, did they teach you guys this stuff in Canada? Because I don't even know the language you're speaking. They were speaking ICU. Uh, and they're like, no, we learned it in the three months that we were orienting, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I was so fascinated that in three months, I learned everything they did and more. And 5% of it is what I learned in those four years of nursing school. Absolutely. So why, I mean, literally I could have graduated high school because, you know, it takes, it's, it's your ability to think critically. And if you know how to learn, I could have gone at 18 and done that in three months Mm -hmm. and learned the same things. I didn't Mm -hmm. need everything that, you know, I learned what I needed for the ICU on the job. So that would be my answer to any of that, the ignoramuses who inquire about your gap. Yeah. You know, I learned what I need to learn in three months. You know, Mm -hmm. don't, don't do you do an orientation here? Yeah. That, that the ignorance out there is, is enormous. And now, now we have, this is a whole nother rabbit hole, but we have um, applicant tracking systems where you upload your resume and a bot reads your resume and a human being doesn't even look at it unless it passes muster with the bot, you know, and, and with one of those, you can just put a list of words on a piece of paper and upload it. And, you know, there's, there's this dehumanization of the profession where it's all coming down to to numbers and words and not lived experience that where where I get really frustrated and where I see my clients get frustrated because they want to move forward and there's some like you know ridiculous gap in the resume or something that is causing an applicant tracking system to spit them out and doesn't get them an interview so. Talk about a, a terrible time for that to be happening too, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I was just talking to one of the uh, charge nurses where I used to work at the small community hospital and they're seven short in the operating room. They've reduced seven the- Seven short. Yeah, they have reduced the amount of surgery they do from a 12-suite OR to a four-suite OR because they don't have the staff. And she asked me, she's like, do you want to come back to work for a bit? And I haven't been there in five years. But I would get probably hired in a second because they know me, right? Even though I haven't been in the operating room for a long time. It's not a few months, it's five years. So I can just imagine that post-COVID with all the shortages with nurses leaving, that that is just going to make it so much worse. This yeah. idea that you're, you know, you're going to get your resume read by a bot if it doesn't qualify with the pro- the right work. Like, Mm-hmm. Really? Talk about screwing ourselves. Who's in charge here? Yeah. <laughs> I know. And then Who's actually, running this ship? And then actually you could get screened in to do an interview, which is a one-way video interview. Have you ever all ever done one of those where they flash they flash um questions on the screen and then the recording starts and you record your response looking at the camera as if you're talking to someone and then you get to do another take if you're not happy with your take and you get like on the one I did it was like I had five chances so you can do like take after take but then eventually you just have to go with the one that you finally ended up with and even then you're not interviewed by a real life person probably 
you know, till a couple other, a couple other steps down the line. So this, this depersonalization and um, Karen, you mentioned in the notes you sent me about this, this idea of loving disruption where you have to find the way of that, the way you want to do things, the unique way you want to do things. So if there's this goal of improving what's out there, I mean, you all are starting with continuing education. Like that's where, that's where you've landed. So do you, do you feel like where else is there room for improvement? I mean, you know, how many hours do we have for you to. (laughs) Right. The the talking point was what's your unique way of loving disruption. Like we've, we've had people on the podcast who are really innovating ways to track hospitals. Like what does it really mean to be a magnet hospital? Mm-hmm. You know, that you're going to force more things upon your nurses just, mm-hmm. you know, so you can check a box. <laughs> well, we've interviewed people who are um, creating new kinds of hospital rating systems that nurses rate. What do you get paid? What's your uh, employee, the employee satisfaction, the, you know, auxiliary staff, the support. Are you happy there? The really and good crackers they, in the break room. Right. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, like, totally. you know, is it those are they artificial or are they, you know, Nesco? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Graham crackers. So I think, you know, they are doing what they can to change the environments and the yeah. outward things, but it good. goes yeah. <clears throat> for me, and this might get a little bit nebulous. Go for it. For me, my job is to change the thing inside of all of us that you only put up with what you think you deserve. Why are nurses putting up with this? Because on a quantum, <laughs> on a quantum mechanics level, mm-hmm. when we our our outside environment will reflect our internal environment. So that's kind of my job while I'm here is is mm-hmm. helping people answer that question mm-hmm. and finding out the reason why and changing that internal environment. Because when we don't put up with it anymore, it's automatically going to be different. And yeah. Karen, don't you think that 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 there is sort of a shift? shifting happening because we've talked to so many nurses who are starting to see like, you know, their burnout, PTSD, all of these things. And they're see- kind of starting to wake up to, to what you're saying, like, oh, I have forgotten about myself. Yeah. I have forgotten who I am. I have forgotten what I need. I have forgotten what I want because I'm sucked into the machine and you know, a cog, just another cog in the wheel or another, you know, wait, not cog. <laughs> we're the cogs. Yeah. Just another part. You can cog. Yeah. So, so yeah. I think, you know, just with all the interviews we've done so far, I, I have started to see that kind of sparkle on people like, Oh, there's more mm-hmm. answering that question. You know, what do I think I deserve? Mm-hmm. Well, when we come back from the break, what I want to do is talk about what we really do deserve <laughs> and maybe some of the ways in which you all have found that we can get in touch with that. And maybe even some of the people you've met who actually have operationalized that in their lives, I guess, which would be the two of you and anything else that's on your mind too. And the way, the way we can do what Karen characterized as moving the needle against the gravity of the status quo, which I really like. And that's, you heard it here first, folks. That's from Karen DeMarco. So we'll be right back with the second half of episode 374 of The Nurse Keith Show. 
And welcome back to the second half of the episode. Again, we're here with new friends of the pod and my new friends, Entre Boyd and Karen DeMarco of Renegade, the Renegade podcast and more. And prior to the break, we were talking about blowing up boxes and we were talking about applicant tracking systems and um, uh, epidemic level ignorance. I mean, <laughs> we could go in so many directions. But Karen, this quote that I that I mentioned before, which is, how do we move the needle against the gravity of the status quo? So what are a couple other of the symptoms of the status quo that you've identified in the profession? Uh, symptoms of the status quo. It's, it's um, this 50-year history, 60 maybe more, and it's getting worse every year of more and more work put upon us and less and less support to do that work and more and more boat, more and more. The status quo is defined as zero common sense hmm. and people don't want to change because, well, we just sit and complain about it. And nobody does anything about it because we're going up there instead of I, Andra came up with this concept, which I thought was brilliant because it's like you're trying to go to the administration the people who created the problem to fix the problem. You can't do that. You know, it's, it starts with our internal environment changing, mm -hmm. you know, and then it also starts with going below to the patients, to the mm -hmm. clients, to the communities and telling them what we're up to and what we're doing and why they're dying and why there's medical errors and why that's happening. Because when they're educated and informed about what the basic standard of care is, and that it's impossible for us to fulfill that because of the environment, um, then things will start shifting. It's, it's the grassroots. It's like pushing the needle of the status quo up, conquering the gravity that's keeping it down is going to come from ourselves and the people we serve mm -hmm. to hold that up. And mostly from changing what's inside of here that thinks we deserve it. Okay. So Antra, what are your thoughts on that in terms of changing the internal environment like how does one do that like if a nurse comes to me and they're they're they feel like their soul's been crushed and they've been bullied and they've been harassed and they've been you know trying to upload their ceus to some website you know whatever whatever <laughs> it is they've been off. yeah or they have like ceus on cds and they don't have anything to put them in and they can't <laughs> listen on their toaster like you know what what is it that has to shift like where does that come from well so for me cuz i had to ha i had a total breakdown i um was diagnosed in 2018 with ovarian cancer and then mm. again in 2020 21 so just oh, last year oh. um and for me, it, it was it was interesting because the first time around, I was already in patient advocacy and I did a lot to engage in my care. I did a lot to advocate for myself. But when I when I got better and I was all done with treatment, head down back to the way I always was. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the universe was like, mm, she didn't really get the memo. So we're going to try this one more time. So I got another diagnosis of cancer and it was really like, for me, that being a patient, also my experience as a nurse, you know, 
oh, I can't, I can't possibly call in sick because they're just not going to be able to function without me. If I, if I don't show up to work, the whole system's going to come, you know, nurses have this like proclivity to want to always be there and, you know, and not take care of themselves. It Mm -hmm. never would have occurred to me prior to cancer that I could say no, especially if I was sick, like truly sick. They don't really want you there anyways, if you're sick. So that whole being sick and and being a patient really kind of was like, okay, something is not right internally. And I always kind of scoffed at, oh, stress is a problem. You know, I knew Mm. that there was all this research. I scoffed at love yourself. It was so cliche. And I kind of always was just like, ew, I'm not doing any of that. Mm. And actually there was something to it and it took i mean i hope for most people it doesn't take cancer to wake them up to themselves but what that looks like is kind of like the feeling of falling in love with somebody is also the feeling of falling in love with yourself it's that same like warm embracing um and and it and people get to it in different ways so i don't think there's just one way to get there for me it's been some some energy healing, some um, coaching, some lots of walks in nature. But I think that everyone's journey, there's that word again, Karen, is it, it can be different. It, it's not, it's unique to who, you know, each person, but it is that sense of, I had never felt that feeling of falling in love, like with somebody, with myself until after cancer, like, and it and it envelopes you and it wraps you up in the sense of possibility and hope and um, just inspiration and it's just magical and I think that's you know now I know like Karen has said that that I deserve that and I do think that my external world is reflecting that more and more every day. Yeah, you I'm- you become your own child. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't allow that to happen to your child. And you, right. when that happens, what Andra's describing is it's, it's, uh, becomes intolerable. And it's a sanctuary. Yeah. It's sanctuary. Yeah. Well said. And, and, um, Andre, you might really enjoy upcoming episode I have with, um, Teresa Brown. Do you know her? Mm-hmm. She's a best-selling author she she's i think she was the first nurse or maybe the only nurse to have a regular column in the new york times Mm. and she's written three four books about her nursing career now and the new one is called healing and it's about her experience of being on the other side of the stethoscope and having breast cancer and it's all about her experience and she writes about her utter frustration with the way she's treated within the Mm. medical system and what she had to learn about herself along the way. So I think you're going to really appreciate that. Thank you. I just came out. Just came out. Yeah. That's awesome. So Karen, when you encounter nurses who feel like they've been caught up in the, the ice crusher of, of nursing, (laughs) you know, what's one of the first things you, you want to tell them in terms of how they might want to turn that around and decide what it is they actually do deserve. What do you think, what do you think is one of the first things they need to hear? Well, as a, like if it was a mentoring or that kind of 
situation, it would be where is the gap between who you truly are and who the world said that you ought to be? And when you f- can see that gap, when you, you know, we, it, we don't even see it because it's like the white noise of what it feels like to be us. Like I lived my whole life, my puddle of snot and tears moment in 2011, I was very sick and I lived my whole life checking boxes. Am I thin? Am I pretty? Am I smart? Am I witty? Am I kind? Am I bleh? And then all those boxes had baby boxes because what it meant to me to be thin, okay, eating disorders, (laughs) you know, like all this stuff. And then just saying every check of every box was me saying no to myself of who I truly was. Mm-hmm. It was all about who the world told me that I ought to be. And that made me very ill by 2011. I won't get into all the things, but when okay. I was so, because we don't have a lot of time and, <laughs> um, but when it got to be so bad that I didn't have the energy or the cognitive faculties or anything to check those boxes anymore, I had to surrender. I had to say, fuck it. I'm going to be 300 pounds and my husband's going to leave me and my kids are going to hate me and my parents are going to just, these are the things I actually thought that would happen if I disappointed someone. Mm -hmm. And the white noise of how I'd been living came down to a loud roar. I could see it. Mm -hmm. And once you can see it, that's the gap. That's the Mm -hmm. white noise in the gap of who you, between who you truly are and who the world says you ought to be. And when that gap collapses, like it did for Andre. That's the same feeling. It's quiet up there and you meet yourself for the first time. And that's the only thing that has to happen because you will not, the ice crusher is intolerable. Mm -hmm. You won't have to practice mantras or look at yourself in the mirror and practice being bold. It becomes like protecting your own child. You don't have to learn that shit. You You just do it. You just do it. You do it. It's instinctual and you, Mm -hmm. you become that to yourself. So that's really the only thing that needs to happen is where are those gaps? Where are you saying no to yourself? And, and then conquering, once you get that, it's scary, right? It doesn't happen overnight Mm -hmm. because it's like, okay, I'm going to have to say no to this person. I'm going to have to stand (laughs) up to myself and you anticipate and can I spit out one more metaphor that I like to use for this? Because yes, it's I so perfect. <laughs> Go for it. At Disneyland, there's the uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom ride. Mm-hmm. And you go, you're in this automatic moving cart and there's this rat screen. It looks like, you know, like black things with beady red eyes are just like scurrying. Your, your car is going toward that thing. Mm-hmm. These rats are going to be, you're, they're going to be all over you. And it is mm-hmm. so scary. And you're like, no, no, no but it's made of flaps. Mm-hmm. So you just go through. So you're like, no, no, no. Oh, oh, that was, oh, that was kind mm-hmm. of exciting. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that's what we do. We tell ourselves all these scary things that are going to happen. We create the rat screen and we stop our car like, like Fred Flintstone with its feet out. Like, you know, we stop our car in front of the rat screen and go, no, 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 no. And we read books and take medications and, you know, go to see counselors and go to courses to try to prevent ourselves from dealing with the rats on the screen. And we don't want to go through. And really life comes by like it did for Andra twice. And for me, and it just pushes you through. Mm-hmm. And that's the lesson you have to learn that it's yeah. really just making it up. It's not that scary. But so number one is where is the gap seeing it? hearing the white noise. And number two is 
saying that you really don't have to be afraid, mm-hmm. but that takes practice. It does take practice. And like they say on the, um, when you go in the underground in London, it says mind the gap, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like you have to watch for the gap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Antra, no wonder you want to hang out with Karen. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Does she um spout stuff like this, like over coffee and, mm-hmm. you know, just when you're Oh like, yeah. She's you know. been hugely influential in my life. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 What, what do you, true. What do you like most about podcasting and this world that you all have found, you know, of audio and reaching people and doing interviews, you know, what, what's the part about it that like really lights you up? Well, so we went into podcasting, you know, with like, we were having trouble hooking up our microphones for the first podcast. Like we started from like the ground of knowing nothing, which I really liked. I thought was really fun. Um, And you can see kind of the evolution of um, us getting better and better talking and interacting with each other as well as with our guests. But what was surprising to us and to me, um, to me was we would talk to all these amazing people and I, I mean, I, I cry in almost every episode. I almost started crying in this episode a few seconds back when Karen was talking, but just so touched by people and so um, just inspired by people. And so what I really have loved about this is that I am in the unique position as a podcaster to shine the light on other people and to say, look at this person, you know, look at how amazing they are. And we have just nurses and I in particular have been astounding to interview. And I have loved to just share it all over social media, talk. I just, I just like to shine the light on. And that's been such a like gift just for me to, it just lights me up to, to share you know, with the world, what other nurses are doing. And it could be anyone, right? We have interviewed innovators and disruptors, people still working at bedside. Like it mm-hmm. isn't just one group of nurses. It's yeah. like your uncle. So, yeah. yeah. So that's been, well, yeah, my uncle, he's a funny one. Um, he was so funny at the end. We didn't get to talk about the liver. He was so disappointed. <laughs> oh, poor guy. <laughs> the, the poor the poor left out liver. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, anyway. I, we started podcasting. We launched um, RNFM radio. That was our first podcast in January of 2012. And um, I think it was like the second nursing podcast on the internet or something, or maybe the third. So cool. And, you know, we also wanted to just interview cool people doing cool things. And I think there's no shortage of cool people doing cool things now, 10 years later, and there's, you know, there's a overabundance and, you know, you all are trying to provide a space that's, you know, that's fun, that's entertaining, that's informative, where people can get CDs in a, in an interesting way. And, you know, you don't mail people CDs, which I think is a real shame. But, um, <laughs> Maybe we know. will. It's like a, it's like a, um, we'd have to mail them all toasters too. I mean, right. You do, but, um, you know, the USPS needs our support. So, you know, you might want to consider, <laughs> consider, you know, um, well, Shine actually a little light on them too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The USPS needs it. Yeah. Um, so where, do, where would, do you all have a vision of going with this Karen? Like, so there's the CEUs and the podcast and you both do patient advocacy and all that sort of stuff, you know, in your own businesses in California and in Oregon respectively, but where else do you feel like you could head and 
blow up more boxes? Like, is there, is there anything you can reveal about what you're thinking about? Um, we see this going and helping other podcasters in the health space also get CEs awarded for their podcasts. Hmm. Um, so that, you know, so it's like a podcast Academy. Sign me up. <clears throat> we'll yeah. talk. Okay. Um, we'll so talk. we see, we yeah. see that happening because we don't want to be, there's no reason for us to be in competition. Like there's people doing, starting to do CE by podcast. All we see the people popping up all over the place. Yeah. And we want, um, we want to create a, an academy of all of us or who are doing this. So you can mm-hmm. go, you know, so that's kind of like, that's an idea that's springing it, but it's that's to continue nice to disrupt the stat, disrupt the status quo in nursing education. Like it, infusing common sense to mm-hmm. inoculate the the disease of the system, you know, mm-hmm. um, wherever mm-hmm. we can, we want to start talking to, to deans of nursing schools and, you know, people who are already, they're trying to move the needle against the gravity of the status quo. Mm-hmm. And maybe they think they're alone. So if we can join our voices together and support people, find those renegades and, and give them support and, think of new ways to do things and people who are willing to innovate. I mean, I, I see, I see that. Hmm. I think I'm I'm hearing, I always like to make up names of the, um, the memoir that someone's going to write and Karen, yours is going to be the gravity of the status quo, a nurse renegades story or something (laughs) like that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, and Antra, you're, do you have the same vision? Do you feel like that's, one of the places you would like to head and do you see anything else that might need to get out in the world like are there certain pockets of the profession you see that need extra attention extra care i think there are lots of pockets that need extra attention and extra care and mm-hmm. I, you know my squirrel comes out because i'm like oh gosh we got to go there we got to do this we got to save this we got to fix this and karen always brings me back to we are in our own space we're doing that it, we're just doing it in our space and it's that's been really helpful for mm-hmm. me because i get very very passionate about i mean that's why i left the operating room because i was trying to change the system from the inside and you know poor patient outcomes in surgery is they're terrible right things get left in patients. We do wrong site surgery 40 times mm-hmm. a week in this country. Now, statistically speaking, that makes it a very rare event because we mm-hmm. do so much surgery in this country, but it wouldn't matter if it was you that had a wrong site surgery, right? So it 40 times a week in my mind is a lot. 40 times a week, we do a wrong side surgery. Right. Wrong site so, surgery. So like, 40 times. like the wrong kidney is removed, the, mm-hmm. you know, et cetera, the wrong et cetera. Kidney is operated on or yeah. <sighs> Yeah. But it's that's a very, very rare occurrence just based on the number of surgeries we do mm-hmm. in this country. But I tried so hard. I mean, try sending, try doing crucial conversations to a bunch of, you know, cynical OR nurses. You'll get laughed right out of the hospital in two seconds flat. So mm-hmm. it was so frustrating to me that there were all these issues inside the system that just it was like moving molasses. It was just I, I was so frustrated. So I spit myself out. So you know, here we are in education. I got my master's degree at a a really great nursing school. And I was so frustrated when I left because I was like, I just took 
you know, $40,000 worth of higher education. And I do not want to be an administrator or an educator because you, you gave me one class on education, on how to teach. Like, I'm not prepared to go in and be a professor. I probably could have gotten a job in that field, but there was, it would have been learning on the job. School didn't teach me that. So there's just such this huge gap between what we're learning in, in education and nursing education and what we actually need to know on the job. And so I think, you know, in a, in a broader context, we, we recognize that. And there is, you know, hopefully as we, you know, develop our, our business and grow, there'll be, um, some, some stuff to, to, like Karen said, some stuff to work on there. Um, but I got to, she got, she reels me in and keeps me in, in the space. That's I'm good. In. That's really good. <laughs> Otherwise I'd be addressing burnout and PTSD and all those others. <laughs> right. Right. There's so many different layers yeah, to, to so unravel layers. and so yeah. many different people we can help. There's nursing students and new grads, and there's the people who want to go to master's programs and the ones who are trying to puzzle out if they should get a DNP or not, you know, there's right. this, yeah. Oh, it just goes on and on, but bef- I I want to go on and on and on with y'all too. But I do we do have to wrap up, and people can find you at rnegade.pro. That's r n e g a d e dot pro, and you're all around Facebook, Instagram. You're all around LinkedIn. And before we go, there's four questions I usually ask each guest, and since there's two of you, we'll have to kind of um, keep these more concise, but. Um, I'm going to ask each of you each question, okay? So, Antra, um, the first question is, how do you define success? It, it is that internal internal state. Mm-hmm. How do I feel about myself? Mm-hmm. That's success. That's yeah. been my greatest success. Mm, that's good. Um, now, this isn't fair because Karen's had like, 15 seconds to think about her answer, but Karen, how about you? <laughs> um, it's the feeling of the gap collapsing between who you truly are and who the world said you ought to be. That's good. And remembering that your father said that you were unprogrammable. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and realizing that's a good thing, not a yeah. bad thing. Yeah. Now we're going to go toggle the other direction. So now Antra will have a head start thinking about her answer to the next question. So Karen, um, how would you describe one person who's inspired you in the course of your life, living or dead, famous or not? How would I describe, like name Mm -hmm. the person or just describe the person? Describe them, name them, call them out. (laughs) She looks and sounds a lot like Antra Mm -hmm. um, because it's Antra. Oh, okay. Um, it's funny because when we started out knowing each other, I was her coach and watching her courage and go through what she went through. She became mine, just her life mm. and the way she, the grace she handled that with and the just, I mean, dog with a bone. Um, she was very inspiring. So her life is, has become my coach. Oh, that's lovely. And, um, how about you, Antra? I didn't have to prepare. Like, obviously, it's Karen. Mm-hmm. I mean, she. We didn't plan this. <laughs> no, no I, I know that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just the the um, 
that just knowing that I knew what to do, like that is amazing. How did I not know that? And it's not to beat myself up, but like that, that was so life-changing. And then there were so many more moments and, you know, I, I, she's hilarious. She teaches me stuff all the time. Um, like, and literally the very best friend I've ever had. So I, yeah, her for sure. That's lovely. Okay. Um, and Antra, is there a book or a movie that's had a major impact on the way you think or live your life? It doesn't have to be a favorite, just just one that pops into your mind. Well, it's funny because, you know, I really have always loved the work of Atul Gwandi. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the, uh, the doctor who uh, did a bunch of research on timeouts in the operating room, and he has a lot of different um, books that he's written. And the reason I love him is because he, it, it's, it was because of him that I knew things could be different and things mm-hmm. could change in nursing. Hmm. And yeah, that was one know, of his books. Um, he wrote the checklist manifesto. The checklist manifesto. Yeah. yeah. That's the one that a lot of people know. Yeah. yeah it's a good so, one. Yeah. Just in the nursing profession, that one really inspired me. And, and I knew nursing could be different mm-hmm. because of his work on timeouts. Yeah. You know, something so simple that doesn't cost money that actually saves lives. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. common sense. Not right. this all the bells and whistles, but just common sense. Common sense, yeah. 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 How about you, Karen? Um, I would say the most recent one, because it's more of a genre than a, anything like that, but I sure. love how um spirit and science, things that prove, like because mm-hmm. I'm I'm a big cynic, you know, mm-hmm. prove it. Okay, yeah. I want to. I want that magical thinking to prove it. But there's a book that I wrote read a couple of years ago called "The Physics of God," mm-hmm. and uh, it is it really is like a quantum mechanics and all the experiments and from nocebo and placebo. Like it, I love anything that links those two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you might like the Awakened Brain. That's a book I read recently. It's about the science of spirituality. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a good one. Yeah. And, yeah. And Karen, um, what's one piece of advice you'd give your 18 year old self? So 18 year old Karen, whether you think she'd listen or not. Um, finding the courage to be disliked is what mm-hmm. made all the difference. That sounds like it's a real, it's, it's a real theme for you. It's a real motto. Yeah. Yeah way of being yeah yeah it's a good one yeah how about you Antra? i would tell my 18 year old self that i know and who cares what anybody else says you know mm-hmm. we all know we know it feels like truth it feels mm-hmm. like peace when you're in fear and 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 you're scared it doesn't you know what to do because a decision that feels fearful is not coming from that place mm-hmm. of you know you know, it feels like truth. It feels like mm-hmm. peace. So yeah. Nice. That's lovely. Well, thanks for playing along with that. It's been really fun asking people these questions. They're really yeah. eliciting interesting answers. Yeah. So you should you. make a montage. Yeah. <laughs> I can make a coffee answer. table book. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Those are great. Yeah. yeah. We could do an audio montage. That might be good too. It'd be yeah. fun. But thank you all so much. This has been wonderful. And I really... I'm already planning to have you all back. So we'll, we'll talk about what that'll look like. And I really, really encourage people to listen to our renegade 
and to engage with your membership program so that they can sign up and do the CEs, which I think is really cool. And, you know, we're going to have to keep in really close touch because we're new friends and there's a lot to learn from each other. So thank you all so much for, yeah. for reaching out to me and, you know, just saying, Hey, could we be on your podcast? <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having thank us. Thank you. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening to this awesome episode of the Nurse Keith Show. The show notes will be over at nursekeith.com. And remember, go to rrenegade.pro and also listen to the podcast on any of your favorite podcast players and sign up for their membership program so you can get CEs listening to their amazing and hilarious and entertaining and informative podcast, Renegade. And again, Please consider becoming a patron over at patreon.com. I would love your support if you'd like to help support the show. We are members of the Health Podcast Network at healthpodcastnetwork.com. We're adroitly produced by Rob Johnston of 520R Podcasting and Mark Cappy Speeson is our stalwart social media ringmaster and newsletter wrangler. Before we say goodbye, I'll leave you with this quote, one of my favorites, and it's by the musician Robert Fripp. May my living honor my parents. May my living repay the debt of my existence. Be well, dig deep, seek joy, keep in touch. This is Nurse Keith saying adios till next time from beautiful Santa Fe, New Mexico, where Antra is coming to visit in July. Yeah. We're going to have coffee. That's and right. <laughs> Antra Boyd is calling in from Portland, Oregon. Beautiful Portland. And Karen DeMarco from Lake Sherwood, California. Lake Sherwood, California. Thank you so much, Antra. Thank you, Karen. Thanks to everyone for listening and we'll catch you on the proverbial flip side. <laughs>